Hello and welcome to this week's Pop Culture Double Date. Uh, this week, we all sacrificed ourselves nobly to watch The Predator. Um, this is a full spoilers podcast, and I'm joined tonight by my usual crew of Anija, Maggie, and Gerald. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Okay, um, no, no one else has got anything to say. Jerry, are you there, Mags? <laughs> I'm still, uh, still here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just traumatized that boy. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I think I get the feeling that generally this was not really our favorite film, <laughs> and <laughs> I think with probably good reason. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I think we've actually been blessed so far in our little podcasting journey in that um, pretty much every film we've seen has been pretty decent. I don't think we've been, we've, we've seen or podcasted about anything that we thought was genuinely horrible. So I think tonight is going to be an interesting experience. <laughs> so, um... Look, why don't we why don't we go around the table and talk about talk about whether we liked the Predator or not? Who wants to unload first? I'll I'll oh, unload oh. first. Oh, okay, yeah. everybody's everybody's <laughs> lining up with their guns, ready to offer. Yeah. No, I, I I I'll unload first. Look, I wanted to give it a chance. I I as soon as it started and the special effects were really bad and really dated, I just thought that's okay. Not every movie gets to have a huge budget. That's fine. As long as it's fun, it'll be okay. But what was this movie about? A bunch of misfits follow around an alien shooting poorly, even when one of them is meant to be a sniper. The big alien follows around the misfits kills almost all of the misfits and dies. It's just like what was this I just I just hated this so much. Like there was nothing fun about it. It wasn't funny. <laughs> the plot was really boring and I just it, it has this kid with this ridiculous superpower in that he seems to understand alien technology and this ridiculous superpower is attributed to him being autistic. So vomit I <laughs> <laughs> That. Like it was really, it was really awful. <laughs> so, like, just really annoyed. Like, if it was, if it had been like at all fun, I would have bought into it, but it wasn't. Okay, Gerald. Gerald. Well, I think I, I think we have to mention first that there is a lot of talent, both behind and in front of the camera in this movie. This movie was co-written and directed by Shane Black. <clears throat> at one time the highest-paid screenwriter in Hollywood, the man who wrote um, Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2, the man who directed a movie about ooh, tw- 13 years ago called Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was a very important movie in the story of the Robert Downey Jr. comeback and probably still Robert Downey Jr.'s best movie, um, the man who directed Iron Man 3. This is a man who knows how to make a movie, how to write a movie, and often um, makes, um, makes very, very funny movies. And then you think about the cast. The cast features the likes of Olivia Munn, Keegan-Michael Key, Sterling K. Brown, Trayvon Rhodes, who is the um, adult Sharon in, in Moonlight, 
Alfie Allen, Theon Greyjoy himself, Yvonne Strahovski, who from The Handmaid's Tale, and it it takes all this talent and completely pisses it up against the wall. This movie was so execrably bad. I mean, um, the opening shot featured quite possibly the worst CGI I've seen since the infamous windsurfing scene in Die Another Day. Can you, um, can you remind me what the opening shot was? Because I, I think I've... Yeah, it's like it. a spaceship. It's a spaceship. It was, the, it was a spaceship going through space, and it was... It, it was something. Like it was thirty years old. It looked it so was, old. It was something out of a kids' TV show. It was such badly done CGI, <laughs> and that sort of that bum note kind of stayed throughout the film. Um, so there was that. There was the incredible smallness of the stakes of this movie. Um, you know, this is a movie uh, which we're supposed to be, we're led to believe involves. Very big stakes because the fate of humanity um, uh, hinges on um, the fact that we have to find a way to survive the next wave of predators because they are now de- they've now decided that they are going to take the most lethal and evolved features of every species they come across in order to uh, produce a hybrid version of themselves. And so we there are these sorts, there is a sort of uh, cosmic stakes about this movie, but it's all set in this one shitty town with a bunch of with a shitty crew of misfits brought together in shitty circumstances, and you sort of sit there going, "This is this movie feels so incredibly small," yeah. and, and 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 the movie makes so little fucking sense because <laughs> the first predator who crash lands is meant to be a goodie. Oh, thank He's you. meant to be. Yeah. He's meant to be the predator who, exactly. who, who double crosses our species <laughs> in order to bring us, in order to bring us, in the manner of Prometheus, um, something with which to protect ourselves um, against the the coming onslaught. But for the first half of the film, he is totally about it. He just randomly kills yeah. human beings left, right, and center. <laughs> and it, 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 it takes about two thirds of the movie for, for for it to realize. Oh, he's meant to be a goodie. By which point, he's. Comp- I, I don't know how many people he's killed along the way, and he's meant to be a goodie. And, and there's long- no and, and, and there's no reason, right? Like, there's no reason no, why he needs is. to kill. Why does he need to kill all those guys? Because he because they're operating on him on the operating table. No, he's just trying is, to save they, his own life. The other thing is, they know he's a goodie. Sterling K. Brown <laughs> explains to the white dude from Narcos, who's the main character in the movie, that. He's a goodie. Yeah. So they've known all along that he's a fucking goodie. They bloody imprison him. So they've, they've, they've given him the shit and he's killed tons of them. And about two thirds of the way through the movie, you suddenly realize, oh, he's a goodie. They've all known he's, they've always known he was a goodie. Why, why did we have to do this? <laughs> why? More than that, um, this, this, this predator shows that he at least can communicate with humans, right? Like, he does the, mm. the hand signal. He doesn't murder everybody. Like, basically, he murders everybody, right? Everybody he comes across, he murders until... Except for the naked woman. Except for the naked yeah, woman. He doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't murder naked Olivia Munn. But then he comes across <laughs> this pack of guys. So, okay, so 
in the past, right, in Predator films, it's kind of been established that Predators don't kill people who are unarmed, right? Because they're in it for the hunt, right? Clearly, in this case, that doesn't stand because this guy is not really hunting these scientists. He's just killing them indiscriminately. Anyway, so he chooses not to kill Olivia Munn. But then you meet him later and the guys, the the misfits, the 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 sort of the ex-soldiers... They all kind of confront him, and they all have guns, right? And he doesn't murder them. them. Yes, (laughs) but he doesn't murder them. Why doesn't this predator murder them immediately, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why can't he shoot the gun and actually actually shoot the target at any point? Like, he's such a bad shot, and he's a sniper. Yeah, oh, and and then throughout (laughs) this film, right? It's like, you know, he's meant to be bringing this advanced alien technology... But for some reason, he doesn't try to install some kind of translation function first. So yeah. And, and he understood. He's the good guy. Yeah. Unlike and, the bad guy who was able to do that. Who was able to communicate with him, right? <laughs> the good guy <laughs> basically is still able to communicate with him because he has that scene, which I thought was really weird, where he tells them to put the guns down. It feels really, like, human, right? Like, it's like, okay, clearly this guy knows what's going on. And then it's kind of like, and then you do a mental double-take and go, what? Like, so, if he could communicate, why didn't he communicate at all with any of these people before he started murdering them? Why why does he find that, feel the need to especially not murder these people? It's just like... Yeah, this... <laughs> yeah, how does he know that this band of misfits is, is the group he can trust? Exactly! It's like... so weird! <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and then there's a whole bunch of little things that, that cumulatively don't make sense. For instance, why does the space dog seem to have this inexplicable rapport with Olivia Munn? Like, where, where did that come from? What was the point um, of the space dog? Like, I didn't understand why this Why did the space dog exist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what happened to the real dog? You know that scene, the last yes! scene where the oh boy is running to the caravan and then you see glimpsing, you know, further off in the distance, there's the real dog who's running towards the boy to try and get into the caravan and then he disappears. So what was the point of the real dog? Yeah, what was the point of introducing (laughs) that dog character, right? Like, all these characters kind of get introduced and there's just, like, there's no point to them, right? Like, they they just appear on screen and then sometimes they die, sometimes they don't, and it's just like, well, why? What was the point of any of that? And how (laughs) bad was that, like, that double suicide type thing where they, like, shot each other at the same time. Like, not they didn't even count down. They didn't even go three, two, one. They just randomly shot each other dead. No, uh, am, am, am I right in thinking they're meant to be two halves of a gay couple as well? I, I don't what? think the film is that sophisticated, Gerald. I don't think you're supposed to read into it like that. I really but don't. There's meant to be some sort of, like, really close bond between them and there's no (laughs) don't get that from a film (laughs) they're on screen (laughs) how can you possibly get that from this film (laughs) because i i I just don't get i didn't get what the bond was about like you know it's sort of (laughs) it's sort of it's sort of there and you know I, i i still can't believe i still can't believe that that was keegan michael key in that role, um, and it was just, it was, it was. I mean, 
the 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 amount of talent in this cast and the 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 uh, the sheer shittiness of the situations and the lines that they you know the shittiness of the situations they find themselves in and the shittiness of the lines they're meant to utter i mean it it, it really this really is borderline criminal stuff uh this movie yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just so bad it's <laughs> and, one, of my, one of the films where i felt oh, films sorry one of the scenes where i felt like that was just so well demonstrated was the living room scene where they miraculously potentially on the same night end up at McKenna's ex-family house and his wife is there they all crowd around the living room and they're eating things from her fridge and looking around at all the you know all of their stuff in the house like why was that scene there and why did they why did they make the um, guys from the Misfits bunch act so stupidly. They just seemed like really stupid buffoons. Yeah, they were meant to be endearing. And they, but they, just, they weren't funny. Buffoon. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. They made them seem so stupid. Yeah, they were just and then, lame. They were lame, <laughs> yes. That was, yes. Yeah, that was so lame, yeah. Uh, th- there's so many issues with it. Max, do you want to go first? I- I've got... Like, I feel like Gerald still has a lot to go. <laughs> can, can I just say, like, monster design? Like, I'm sure in the 80s, the Predator was cool, but um, but he's kind of not now. I mean, the in, in terms of monster design, I've got to say, it's it's a pretty shitty-looking monster, like the Predator these days. I mean, it, it's just a... it's. It, it, it really just looks like a bit of, like an ugly bloke with dreadlocks. And, yeah, it's um, like a man with an alien. <laughs> and um, you know, while the xenomorph is still scary looking and cool, <coughs> the predator as a creature, as a movie monster, looks completely dated and well past its use by date. The problem with basically their update of the predator design is that they haven't really updated it. They've kind of just made it bigger, right? Yeah. So this new predator, like the big predator, it's just bigger. Right? It's like, well, mm. hang on, like... It hasn't evolved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> look, I... <laughs> l- later on in this podcast, I want to talk about why, like, this film is a travesty in terms of the Predator franchise, but we'll get to that, right? And I think the character design, like, the monster design feeds into that, for sure. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, Mags, do you want to... Do you want to have your go <laughs> at kicking this yeah. corpse? <laughs> <laughs> well, not sure if there's much more I can add. Um, yes, no, I totally agree with everything that everyone has said. The only other things I would add are, um, oh, well, let's see, where do I start? Um, one thing that I found really annoying was their use of Olivia Munn's character, it was, I think, poorly explained why she was chosen to be part of the government's secret mission um, to examine this alien, and then how she transformed from being your average scientist to being this sharp-shooting expert gunslinger and who is incredibly fit and can run yeah. and jump. She's a biologist. You know, how did she become Lara Croft? Heart-like... <laughs> A quarter of the way through this movie. 
Yeah, like at so some I, point she just like strange. Yeah, she starts wielding assault rifles with just no problem, right? Just basically becomes Arnie in the space of like half a night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they had her carrying around a vial of yellow liquid, which they only explained halfway through um, was actually spinal fluid of previous predators um, to lead to a conclusion to set up a, potentially a new franchise or new offshoot of the franchise about to try and get the predator to become a new type of alien because so, so, the spinal fluid demonstrates that they're integrating the DNA of the most vicious killers of or, like, strongest evolution of the species that they go and hunt. So was that what that vial was? Because I, I... That's what I was. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> she she was definitely carrying around this vial, right? Like, yeah, this vial of stuff yeah. that kind of just disappeared. And I thought that that vial would be instrumental in killing the big predator. But it was just like, just like the dog, right? And all these other elements of this film that you think are important, but then are just like, actually, it's not that important. So, so mm-hmm. why even introduce it? Like, what? <laughs> While we're on the topic of Olivia Munn, you can just imagine that a bunch of male screenwriters or whatever, sitting around a typewriter thinking to themselves, how funny would it be if we had Olivia Munn and some dude shouting at each other, eat my pussy for two minutes? Wouldn't that be funny? And it is one of the most embarrassing scenes um, I've ever had the misfortune of watching in a cinema. Yeah. It's pretty tacky. I've got two 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 things to add. One, the smaller thing that I want to add is, you know that scene where Olivia Munn is um, sleeping on the bed and those idiot misfits are like doing stuff around her. And one of the things that they do is they throw this aluminium horse um, at her. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. meant to, like, yeah, that's meant to be emotionally yeah. deep, right? Like well, that's it, right? <laughs> so at the end when they die and she still has this aluminium unicorn and she throws it into like the little package they're going to bury like it's meant to be it's meant to resonate with us emotionally and it's yeah. like it just brought nothing in me other than annoyance like why are you carrying around this stupid aluminium unicorn while you because while you predators and aliens? because because whoever it is who made the, whoever it is who, who inserted that in the movie thought well girls like unicorns and ponies so uh, we'll, we'll let we'll get her to carry around a unicorn throughout this movie. And then the bigger point is, look, I don't know that I feel all that comfortable with laughing at Tourette's, like just like making like the whole point of that was to laugh at it. And was I'm that not Thomas sure Jane? That was that the guy, uh, Gerald? Was that Thomas Jane who was the guy who played the Tourette's? That was that was, that was, that, that was Thomas Jane. He's well, not, not a bad actor. I don't understand what the. Why the hell they made him they do that? They were good actors. Yeah. They were all good actors. That's that's the tra- that's the travesty about it. And so not only am I not comfortable at being set up to just laugh at Tourette's, um, I thought this whole I just can't I can't even get my mind around this. How in this day and age do they make this movie how do they make a focal point of this movie, this idea that autism is not a disability or a disorder, it's the next step in the in the chain of evolution? I know that idea is sort of out there, but how does this, this movie just make this claim when, you know, the spectrum is so enormous and 
you know, where people fall on the, on the range of that spectrum, their abilities um, and the issues they have just vary so enormously. Go to the bottom of the spectrum and try to say that's the next step in the chain of evolution. To me, that's extremely. I, I find that an. Ins- I just find that. It just makes me really angry because it just doesn't appreciate the complexities and the difficulties that people on that end face. And to to say, to sort of talk about, you know, something like ASD, which is so diverse in that way, I just don't know why they would present a view like that in the movies. I don't actually think it's helpful for people to go around saying, oh, it's not a problem. It's the next step in evolution. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, this notion of autism as superpower uh, is just, is yeah. just crazy offensive, and it is so weird to think that you know, sort of, um, thirty years after Rain Man came out, um, this is how Hollywood is portraying autism. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is so deeply yeah. unfortunate. So yeah. I, 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 okay. So I actually think that. So I agree with everything you guys have said, and my. Ma- and this is tied to my main criticism criticism of this film, right? I felt this film was written by a 10-year-old boy. He had the sophistication of something that was written by a 10-year-old boy who subsequently uploaded it to fanfiction.net, right? Like, it felt like a fanfiction film written by someone who was, like, thought, had all these, like, cool, edgy, ten-year-old boy ideas, like, oh yeah, like, then the predator will punch this guy, and then his head will fall off, and they'll cut him, and then, like, his body will split, and, like, and all these ideas that, as a ten-year-old, you think are really sophisticated and interesting, but they're not, because you haven't actually thought through it, and you you haven't really had the life experience Mm -hmm. to kind of back it up, right? And I see that all through the film, right? From the overall plot, the way the plot jumps from plot point to plot point from location to location, none of it flows. It feels really jarring, right? Like, one moment they're at this military camp, the next moment, like, you know, he starts in Mexico, and then he's at the military camp, and then he's back in his hometown, like, in the space of, like, an hour. It, it just felt... They're, like, on a football field suddenly. Exactly, really exactly, right? It, and, it felt... and it's fucking Halloween. Exactly. So it's like this 10-year-old boy was like, oh, yeah, and then he was here, and then they were here, oh, yeah, and then it was, like, Halloween, and then they did yeah. this, right? It feels like so that's, true. that sort of 10-year-old so boy true. writing, right? So there's the plot. There's the characters. The way the characters are developed is... It's a travesty, right? Because... Okay, so I think the best example is this of this is that opening scene when he rocks up onto this bus of these misfits, right? And then they spend the next 10 minutes having really on-the-nose exposition about each of these people, right? So, mm. remember, um, what, what's his name? The, the Gaylord. What was Gaylord's the name that he wanted to ref- refer to himself as? I can't remember. Anyway, he was the, the black veteran, right? He basically, um, well, one of the black veterans, but he basically, the um, like, the guy from Narcos rocks up onto the bus, and he basically spends 10 minutes telling the life story in, like, dumb detail, like, to basically show how edgy and how broken each of these people are. So instead of actually showing them, right, showing them as characters, letting them be characters and learning from their actions, right, we instead are treated to, like, really poorly written exposition, which 
Jaren, Jaren. Yeah. Do you remember the, on that point? Remember when they do the same thing for the main character, where the 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 one of them says the cheesiest line in the whole movie, "Is your husband the man I think he is?" Yeah. And then she yeah. Speech <laughs> yeah. Living room scene. Exactly. He's, but then he's in the living room scene. Yeah. Exactly. In the living room scene. Exactly. Right. And th- nothing they do backs it up. Right? Like, they say all yeah. this stuff and then all of their actions. Like, the guy from Narcos, he is not a compelling main character. He does nothing that is particularly heroic or, like, mm-hmm. moral or nice. Like, even the little kid, right? I know you're supposed to feel for him because he gets bullied, but he straight up murders someone, right? He's like a <laughs> six year old kid who murders someone, right? With a predator mask. So. It's like, it, feel, it feels like a 10-year-old wrote this because a 10-year-old is like, oh, this is how I do character exposition, uh, character development. I will literally tell you what this character is and you will accept it. And then everything else they do is not really related to that, right? So, so there's that, right? And then there's, as Gerald touched on, there's the production values. This feels like, look, I know this is probably an exaggeration, but it feels like the production values of a 10-year-old, right? Like, because... Like, the CG is bad, and then all of the scene setting makes it feel so small, right? There's there's nothing in it that makes it feel exotic or interesting, or... It's just like, they just run through small-town America. It's like, this is so, like, I mean, suburban in a bad way, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. Um, so, the plot, character, all these things feel like they were written by a 10-year-old kid, kid right? You know, then, the thing is, the thing about that, the thing about that suburban setting is, I, I, I think I know what they were going for. They were going for one of those 1980s Steven Spielberg Amblin Entertainment, yeah, ET, you know, kids in suburbia sort of story, and that's what that's that's how the, that's what the story of the son and the and the boys is 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 meant to recall. But um, no all heart. it seems to suggest. There's no heart to it, and all it's yeah, it, it's sort of like shit, Stranger Things. Yeah, and yeah, and what it seems to suggest to me is that Shane Black, having got the chance to make a Predator movie, you know, sort of reverted to some to his 1980s lizard brain and just um, forgot everything he ever learned about screenwriting or filmmaking, uh, and, and produced this sort of bizarre time warp of a film. Yeah, absolutely, right? So this this whole thing about, like, whoever wrote this, like, felt like they had the mental capacity of a child. Like, you add to this all these things that we've been talking about, right? Like, kids are the kings of sort of starting a plot point and then just forgetting it, right? You talk to, like, when you talk to kids and they're making up their make-believe worlds or whatever, you talk to them and it's like... The story at the beginning and the story at the end is not the same, right? And that's far, far, fine, and it's charming when you're talking to a child. But when you have it on a big screen, like, it's super jarring, right? So we notice things like this dog that just disappears, this vial of stuff, right? I think the, one of the most egregious... Like, there's lots of egregious things about this film, right? But then the ending, the ending of this film, right? Where they open the special... Oh, yeah, okay. So the ending of this film where... The American government does not give a shit that, like, Narco's guy, I can't remember his name, McKenna, right? McKenna has just gone on this killing rampage, right? (laughs) Um, Has basically, there's all these government soldiers that are dead. McKenna himself has murdered a bunch of them, right? Because there's a shootout where he's killing government soldiers as well, right? 
and um, they just make him the general, right? Yeah, instead of lobot- lobotomizing him because he knows about the aliens, yeah. they promote him. To the general. For no reason. For no reason, right? It feels like a kid wrote it because it's like, oh, and then the hero, he became the general. It's like, what? (laughs) Why? Why? And then you go to this room and all of a sudden, this military organization that's been covering it up, we're all on the same side now. Everybody's hunky-dory, right? Like, they give his kid a job. Here's the general. (laughs) What the fuck, right? Honestly. He goes into the room, and, and then they... And then, and, and, and then the Asian dude says, thank you for having such a great kid. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> like, who wrote this shit, right? And then he goes into the room, and then the special weapon is this predator suit, right? That, like, and it's just like, okay, a 10-year-old wrote this, right? Because he is, like, the only person who thinks that that is a good idea is a 10-year-old. So we're all getting to get, become basically Power Rangers in the sequel to Predator, <laughs> and the Power Rangers are going to fight the Predators. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Honestly. No, but, yeah, the, but the other thing about the suit is... That was a massive pod to store a very small, compact suit. And you're like, well, that's just stupid. I mean, at, at every single level, this movie just sort of whacks you over the head with its own stupidity. Um, it, it sort of glories in its own stupidity um, and, and is all the more offensive for it. Yeah. So, look, I, 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 I kind of want to touch on this idea of so one of the things that super, super pissed me off about this film is that I actually love the Predator. Well, I love the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I think it's actually one of the best action films ever made. I, I really, really love that film, right? Um, I think it's skewed by the fact that when I first watched that film, I did not know that it was going to be a sci-fi film. I watched it on TV when I was like six or seven years old. I had no idea it was going to be a sci-fi film, right? I thought it was going to be like Rambo. And then it turned into this sci-fi film with this invisible hunting alien thing, and it blew my mind. It literally blew my mind, right? So I love the original Predator. I thought Predator 2 was not a very good sequel, but like in hindsight, compared to this film, Predator 2 was a fucking masterpiece. And then, more recently, there was Predators, which was the Robert Rodriguez... It was, I think it was done by Robert Rodriguez's production company, but it was... I can't remember who the director was, right? And I thought Predators was a serviceable sequel to the original Predator, and I thought that, at the very least, it understood what made that original Predator film great, right? What made it tick. The main sin of this film is that it has no understanding of what makes a Predator film great. It doesn't understand what makes the Predator scary. The Predator is not scary because it is this big alien thing, right? The Predator is scary because it is hunting you in an environment. Part of it is a psychological idea that you have this thing that is constantly hunting you. And the good Predator films play on that, right? It plays on the idea of the Predator is the Predator. It's hunting the human, right? But then the human... Like, the key to these films is basically the human needs to be on the back foot. They need to be horribly outgunned, right? And they need to show fear. And through that fear, they want to show, like their will to survive, right? And that will to survive causes them to, you know, like, tap into their ingenuity to figure out an interesting way to defeat these foes that are basically, 
well, this foe that is basically undefeatable. And part of that is, like, the atmosphere of the film is not some Saturday morning romp, right? Like, there's a reason why the original Predator was just set in this, in the jungle, right? And Predators is set, like, similarly kind of in the jungle, right? It's because you basically have this limited environment, and within this cage of an environment, this Predator is hunting you, and you have to use the resources within that environment to try to best the Predator, right? It has, like, the film hangs, like, the film hangs on the tension that you're able to build um, by, like, making the, the main character feel like they're genuinely at risk, right? And in this film, in The Predator, at no point do you ever feel like the main character is ever, ever really at risk, right? Everybody is getting eviscerated left, right, and center, but you never really feel like... And, the, the sin is basically, he doesn't really use any ingenuity to beat this Predator. He just, like, it, it's not like he sets up, like, you know, in the original Predator, Arnie finds out that there's a heat, like, the Predator is seeing him through infrared, so he hides his heat signature, and then he spends all this time sort of building all these traps, and he's basically relying on the Predator to be just too arrogant, and to sort of underestimate him, to defeat him, right? Like, in Predators, they have a similar thing, right? Where they, like, they have to get together and figure out a way to trap the Predator, right? To, to turn the tables on this Predator. This film has nothing of that. It's just a bunch of guys shooting guns, right? And then yeah. they run through the forest and they shoot more guns. It's, like, so dumb. And so, as a result, it has no tension. No tension whatsoever, right? So this doesn't feel like a Predator film at all. Right? You go back and you watch the original Predator and you watch that Predator's film, right? Um, the, uh, the one that's sort of... The one with Adrian Brody. Like, Predators was on TV last, last night, I think. Mags and I were... Or maybe the night before. Mags and I were watching it. And the atmosphere is just completely different, right? It feels like a completely different film. I have no idea what they were thinking when they greenlit this film and they greenlit this script. Because it doesn't play like a Predator film. It doesn't. The only thing about this is that they slap the name Predator on it, and then they basically tried... They use the music, and they use the monster, and they use the sort of title card sequence of the original Predator film. That's it. In terms of the actual DNA of the film, it shares, like, nothing with the original Predator film, right? It, it now makes sense to me how there were three other Predator films, because I couldn't fathom it. Because, like you said, and like I said at the beginning, this movie is just a bunch of misfits following around an alien and shooting it. That is not the premise for a movie. And how there could have been three others, I, I, I couldn't understand it. But now that you explain that it was actually about being hunted and that feeling of being hunted, um, that makes sense because that's an interesting movie. Yeah, and you, you think about the other Predator films, right? The original Predator film. In this film, they have the, all these on-the-nose exposition scenes where they're trying to create the characters, right? If you think about the original Predator film, I, I don't know if you've seen the original Predator, Anna Joe. I, I, I know Joe. I haven't, no. Gerald, definitely, you've seen it, right? And Mags, you've seen it as well. Oh, but I, but I have no, I've seen it, but I have no recollection of it whatsoever because it's been ages. Yeah, so I will probably re-watch Predator once every two years, right? I love that film. And the original Predator film does all of its character... All of its character, none of it is like, oh, and then, so, like, this guy is a war hero, and so you should respect him, right? Like, it's got none of that, right? Basically, the, 
the you meet these characters through their interactions with each other, right? You have the Jesse Ventura character who's like this fucking smartass, right? Like, but no one says to him, "Oh, you're a smartass," right? He just like <laughs> he's just he just naturally is, right? You have like Billy, and then you have like um, Blaine, and, like all these like. Mac, like, you know, the, there's, this, there's a black guy in the original Predator who's, like, a little bit sort of unhinged after he sees his best mate die. And so all these characters kind of become interesting characters through the process, like, through the process of them encountering this sort of alien, right? And, like, I think it's testament to the power of that original Predator film in the way it was able to develop its characters, not through direct exposition, but through action, that, like, to this day, right, like, that film, that Predator film is so quotable, right? There's all these, like, sort of dumb jokes and, like, quotes that come out of the, like, um of that original Predator film. And it's because, like, they didn't feel the need to write exposition. They just wrote these really cool, pithy lines and let the actors do the acting, basically, right? You put them in that situation and you build characters. Done. You know what's so surprising about that, Daz? The fact that Shane Black, the bloke who directed this movie and co-wrote... He was Not only was he Hawkins, he wrote... he, he, He did script rewrites on the original Predator. Yeah. Like, you when you think of Hawkins, you're like... Hawkins is like he's like the 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 asshole like radio operator, right? And he is constantly making mama jokes. I I think that's that was Hawkins. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just embarrassing myself here, right? But like, you know, like that's him, right? Like, and he dies super early, but like you kind of remember him, right? He's memorable because he makes some really interesting jokes. He has good in good interaction with kind of the rest of the team, and he's like, unfortunately, he's one of the first guys to cock it. So. Yeah, like it, it just—I I don't know it's, what he yeah, was thinking. It, it's amazing that it's amazing that you know. I, I, I started off this podcast by by noting the involvement of Shane Black and Shane Black's CV because this is a guy who who writes great comedy thrillers, who writes great dialogue, um, and I saw not a single jot of that. It was as if it was as if he'd been replaced with a zombie. Yeah. Um, well, do you do you reckon um, he had a idea or a script went you know went ahead with it and it was the studio execs who went mm, no i don't think this is good enough for a reboot of a franchise and they went and rewrote it and here it is this schmuzzle of a of a movie because it feel it feels like you're absolutely right darren what you described as sort of the heart of the predator premise just doesn't exist in this movie except for maybe that small homage where you know, the the bad alien gives them seven minutes head start and then he hunts them in the forest. But and it's then, not a very know, interesting like, hunt, right? Like, no. they're, no. They're, they're just shooting guns at it. Well, big fucking Yeah, warp. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then they shoot themselves in the head and, and do stupid things oh, like that. Oh, yeah, the government agent. He was another plot point that just went nowhere, right? Like, how did he even die? I, I couldn't even tell. What did, did he die? He apparently died. <laughs> yeah, Joe isn't even aware that he died. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like they kind of set it up because they had this ending where they want to create this new this new franchise of humans fighting predators in a kind of robot contest. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's but- almost like they went, okay, how do we spin this in a way where we can create a whole new universe? I, I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. 
But you know, like, can I, can I just say, like, robots versus aliens would be the shittest thing to see. I mean, oh. f- I mean, that would be just wh- whoever thought. Look, let's 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 lay the groundwork for a robots versus aliens uh, franchise uh, should be taken out and shot because, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, in the era of the twisty, innovative superhero franchise uh that is the, the marvel cinematic universe uh to think that you could sl- slot, slap together elements that we've seen from other franchises long well past their prime serve them up a- and think that an audience would accept this uh is is unbelievable to me having said that um this movie did Pretty well, the U.S. box office did it. Box office over. Oh, it was the number one movie. Gross. It was the number one. It was the number one movie in the U.S. box office. But it, I just it, looked it up, and it's got thirty-three percent on the tomato meter. So we are people agree. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we we can we. Well, the thing is, we can look forward to. Hopefully, there's a big drop off in week in weekend number two when people realize just what a turd burger this is. Um, but I mean. I imagine, you know, the, f- the, f- the first weekend numbers were driven in large part by nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, and, and when people realize what a complete shit smear of a movie this is, um, I, I think this, I, I think this, I think this would, this would be, I don't see how, I don't see how you could make a sequel to this movie. I mean, I mean <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, right, if the premise of Predator, the interest of Predator is about man being out like basically outmatched by this sort of physically superior species and man using his ingenuity to triumph. How does that, like that premise fundamentally breaks down if you give the man a fucking robot suit that makes him a better predator. Like he's got, he stops using any ingenuity. He just relies on the fucking robot suit, right? Like I can't believe that's how they ended that film. It just blew my mind, right? You know, Bad, bad, bad way. <laughs> yeah. And at one point in the movie, I forget when, but it might be Olivia Munn, it might be Sterling K. Brown, who, looking at the predator strapped on the on the on the on the operating table, says he's beautiful. He's the perfect sort of killing machine. And I thought to myself, didn't someone say that about the xeno the xenomorph in either Alien or Aliens? Yeah. I think it might have been Paul Reiser's character in Aliens who, who says something like that about the xenomorph. And I thought to myself, I can't believe like thirty years after those movies, you, you're just rerunning that. You're rerunning the idea of man confronting the perfectly evolved killing machine. Yeah. Um, and being and being and being you know sort of um, fodder for for this creature. Yeah. This movie had so little by way of life or originality or innovation to it. it it really was a retread of very very stale plot points cobbled together in a framework in a non-existent framework and sort of featuring characters that weren't characters so much as they were they weren't they weren't characters so much as they were um collections of ticks yeah um yeah yeah, like to your point earlier about the Predator monster being dated, I actually think that with a lot of these movie monsters, if you see them in the harsh light of day, they kind of look a bit goofy, right? And the reason why they can get away with that in the past is because the Predator is always semi-hidden. You never really fully see him 
in the light, right? Or very in very rare glimpses, right? Like, it, it's kind of like, he's always in camouflage, or he's hunting you, or he's in action, or something like that, right? With this film, there's no sort of suspense or tension around the monster. He's just kind of there, right? Like, um, and then, so obviously, because you get to see him in such, like, in all his bloody glory, you, you kind of also notice how goofy he is, right? Because he's got this big predator head. It's It's... It's really, yeah. And then the other thing, actually, is that if you think, like... So I watched... Like, because we kind of rewatch Predators on TV, right? The Adrian Brody film. Like, I th- think about the way they evolved that monster in Predators. And it is, like... The way they did it was so much more interesting than what they did here, right? What they did in Predators was basically... Okay, I'll take the base Predator, and then... Let me think about it. If he's a hunter, what other variations of a hunter can there be? So there's a predator falconer, right? So one of the predators uses these alien birds to basically um, do reconnaissance on the prey, right? That's kind of interesting, right? It's like it's playing on this idea of a hunter. The other one uses dogs. He's like a he's like a pack master sort of thing. So he's got these interest like these dogs that sort of like they hunt as a pack sort of thing, right? And then they also have the what they call the berserker one, right? Who he's just like this big brawny one. In this in this film, they've basically just gone forget about it. I'm just not I'm not going to be interested in coming up with um, sort of novel ideas or innovative ideas of how to kind of evolve this monster and kind of make him cooler. I'm just going to like make him really big, and then he'll punch stuff. I'm not going to give him armor, interesting armor, or like more interesting tools. I'm not going to give the monster some sort of personality through the way he hunts. I'm just going to make him big. And then yeah, yeah I'm going to make I'm going to make him big and then I'm going to make him speak English as well to further destroy <laughs> the mystique, right? So there's no mystery anymore, right? Like it, yeah. it's like open kimono and when when movie monsters go open kimono, it's not it's not interesting, it's not fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like, it devalues the monster. Is it just me? And is it just me, or, or does the Predator script, which appears in the subtitles, look a lot like Decepticon script from the Transformers movies? Oh, I, I think that's similar to just, like, I think it's just like teenage boy alien script, right? Because in the original <laughs> Predator, they also have a similar sort of script, I think. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Right? I know that there's a countdown scene in the original Predator where they use kind of similar sort of symbols. But I thought it was really on the nose, the way all of a sudden this predator spoke English. Just, just like, yeah, with, with, with the help of Google Translate. It was just yeah. bizarre. Yeah, and this little boy who instantly... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I can only imagine how offensive it is, right? Where it's basically... The film's thing is through the power of autism, this kid can like mm-hmm. instantly understand mm-hmm. predator language. Like, that is... Mm-hmm. It's offensive as hell, right? Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, the thing is, I mean, as if, did, did anyone not see coming the notion that when the Predator was referring to McKenna, who was referring to the kid? Oh, you know, yeah. we, also, we all knew. We wasn't, we wasn't talking about Big McKenna, well, who's got absolutely no value to humanity and can't even shoot a gun when he's meant to be a sniper. <laughs> no one thought we were talking about him. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was really weird. Right? The, funny, the, funny, the, the funny, the funny thing is though that 
Oh no, actually no. I, I take back my point, but I was going to say that at no point, at no point does the predator know that the kid is called McKenna, but he does actually see his name Rory McKenna in the when he um, when he looks through the the mask. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is such a shit film, man. I, I'm <sighs> anyway. Do we want to rag on this film anymore, or have we wasted enough of our lives <laughs> on this film? I think we're done. I think, I think we're good. Yep. Yep. Okay, look, thank you very much for watching this film. I really want to thank my crew for watching this film, because this <laughs> this was fucking painful to sit through, right? Can I just say, in, in the same weekend that Searching came out, I just can't believe what we were doing <laughs> watching this piece of shit movie. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Next week, hopefully, we will watch something better. Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. That's good. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.